When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we discuss the culture we love that society sometimes tries to make us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I'm feeling very attacked right now. And she doesn't jump guns, she is the boom boom gun, Rebecca Lucy Taylor, aka Self Esteem. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> she is the boom boom gun. I know, it's true. <laughs> There's so many applicable sentences, it's actually wild. <laughs> Um, so today we're talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. What made you pick this show? Oh, I mean, I actually did feel no guilt about anything. So when someone suggests that, you know, what's my guilty pleasure or pop culture, I'm like, um, I kind of can't, I can't, I can't say, I'm just not guilty. So I, I just thought, what, 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 what can I talk about for ages? So I picked it. Um, but yeah, it's truly uh, changed completely and utterly my life. And made me who I am, the artist I am today, gave me strength. It's like a religion to me. It really like found me when I really needed it. Um, and it's and, and and it's just so, even when it's shit, I love it. And I don't know, I just, I'm just so thankful. <laughs> I honestly could not agree with the sentiment more. <laughs> When, when did you start watching this show? So I, in 2012, I always have an abusive boyfriend around the Olympics. So I'm a bit nervous at the moment. <laughs> but uh, I had my 2012 abusive boyfriend. And, um, and when he, you know, it was a real classic. Mind games, gaslight, am I going crazy, crying in public all the time. You know, the classics. Um, cheated on me with someone I work with. The huge. So I was oh, very, so very, sorry. yeah, but, but yeah, I'm really thankful to it because it actually set me on the path I'm on today, which, which I like, I have a great life now. So, um, but yeah, I had to go move back to my mum and dad's because I was so mentally unstable um, and just laid in bed for a few weeks and just did the usual, like, couldn't eat anything. I was, I was just so, so gone, far gone. And um, I hadn't, and I just popped it on. Netflix was like relatively new, I guess, and I, and I just thought, oh, that might be look silly. And, and I used to be an a, a America's Next Top Model head, so I was a bit like, hopefully it'll fill that void. Which last time I had been very depressed, <laughs> I filled it with America's Next Top Model. So and lo and behold, not only did it do that, but there is something about the fact that I, currently, I, like I'm gonna put, I'm gonna say sort of broad things. I know there's like drag kings and things like that, but as it currently stands, I cannot compete on it. So it means I watch it truly as a viewer. Rather, Like, I can't watch Bake Off without being like, I could bake. I could bake that well. <laughs> or, like, even America's Next Top Model, even though I'm not a model, I used to be, like, imagining what I'd do in it or can't watch Strictly. I'm just, like, so jack-of-all-tradesy that I, 
find entertainment TV, even Love Island. I'm like, I'd go on Love Island. I'm 34 and I'm like, do not have the body, but I still think like, I could go on Love Island. Like, I, yeah, I get true relaxation from Drag Race. And it just, it made that miserable time in my life, this kind of, everything was terrible and waking up was just hell, but at least it, there was that to do. And it made, you know, it really set me on a recovery in that, even in that instance, but then I can really like wax lyrical about how it's changed my mindset about myself as well, if you want. <laughs> well, I, I, I can certainly join you in that waxing. Like I feel so aligned with you. I, I, um, I came to the show at around the same time and I didn't, my, I didn't have an abusive boyfriend, but I did have a relationship that was failing slowly, you Ooh, know, and, yeah. and we just kind of were falling out of love with one another. And, during that time, it was very much, you know, he'd be watching TV in the living room and I'd be watching TV in the bedroom. And this is what I watch. Yeah. And like there, there, there's definitely if you're in a bad place when you're watching the show, particularly those early seasons before they really found the formula and it was really very earnest. And, you know, I, I remember so much. I think it was season one or two with the first time RuPaul said to the queens, you know, anyone who puts on heels every day and goes outside is my hero <laughs> and I remember just bursting into tears and like the, the there's a real sense when you're watching the show as well of like if you're stuck in a life that you don't like of being there's a whole other life out there absolutely and like I mean there's tons of things but I was in a band at the time and yeah I've talked about this a lot in press and things like that but like I'd been in that band since I was 17. It was me and another guy. It was very much a collaboration, but increasingly I became somebody very different. Um, uh, but we were still sort of making the same kind of thing. And I had become this kind of monster, basically, of confidence and, like, creativity and desire and, like, everything about me was too much for every scenario I was in um so drag race it was like the first time in a long time I'd seen just like being too much for want of a better fucking phrase celebrated and not only that you would win <laughs> yeah. and it was so like exciting to me that every every corner I turned around that time in my life was like any relationships I was in it was you know I, it was what people are attracted to in me and then it's ultimately what they don't like about me the band it felt like that you know everything everything I did every step of every day was um I felt like a great big enormous alien horse uh, freak and um alien horse. yeah I don't know why I said that but I did it was, a bit... no, it was beautiful like <laughs> I really it really chimes with me in my worldview <laughs> but now obviously I'm celebrating the fact that I'm a great big alien horse and I'm people who come and see my shows are also big alien horses too and it's like oh cool found my tribe all that sort of thing and but it it was completely like not uh something I knew existed before I watched a TV show about drag queens, uh, about drag queens, <laughs> like until I saw that, and the community, the um, yeah, the, the way confidence is not a bad thing, um, self love, and then on the other side of it, like the performance style, the band I used to be in was very like acoustic guitars. I put a dress on, we you know, 
I, I couldn't be loud really I had to be sort of pixie dream girl which also I've never been that <laughs> I've always been faking it so to sort of see such femininity and such sexuality be so sort of widescreen and, and a technicolor just really excited me like a three-year-old watching like the shapes moving I'm like oh like it was just so inspiring and honestly like how I went, got the courage to go solo and do what I'm doing now oh I I just love hearing you say that because it, it not only is it very inspiring my, my nipples are very pointy <laughs> right now just listening to this <laughs> Um, um, but like, you know, I, I contacted you on Instagram and I have been a fan of your music for a really long time. And, um, the band you were in slow club, um, was a, was I, when I was kind of learning guitar and in bands myself, that was a, a, a record, um, your, particularly your first one that I listened to every day and really saw myself and be like, Oh, that's the kind of thing I want to do. And, and she's really doing it and all, and all this. And I, I really loved that record. And then it was so interesting to you know, kind of move on with my life or whatever and, and go on to different stages of life and sort of forget about it and then just be on my Spotify playlist one day and hearing Girl Crush come on um, on just like a recommend. And I was like, there's something about this that I know already and Googling it and being like, oh my God, it's Slow Club Girl. <laughs> I love it when that happens. And what was, it was so invigorating because it was like we'd both gone on similar journeys, as far as I could tell anyway, in, the, in that it's like, oh, in the, um, in the kind of early noughties, she was wearing the kind of top shop little dresses and the, the, the side fringe and having like clever lyrics about falling in love and, you know, oh, don't notice me kind of thing. And then when I see you now and you're there with this like loud, queer pop music with like, and these formations that you, your dance moves and like even the, the prioritized pleasure video, which I would love for everyone to go look up. Um, it's you in this menswear look with all of your dancers around you. And the way you guys are choreographed is like a final challenge on Drag Race. <laughs> it's like final four. It's like read you, wrote you. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Like I'm learning it. <laughs> when I learn the choreo, it is like those like awful montages they do of them learning choreography. <laughs> and it, the edit for me would be very much that I'm struggling. But then on the day I get it, like every time. Um, yeah, I have a very... Uh, wonderful, uh, very gay choreographer who knows. Uh, is, is it Todrick Hall? Uh, he's 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 the UK white Todrick Hall of um, of theatre. Yes, <laughs> he's amazing, Stuart. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I love it. I love it when I hear that. Like people that did know Slow Club, who now I think we all went through a similar thing. Not not as generalising massively, but like don't know about you, but I was like didn't know about feminism. I actually just didn't think mm. uh, about it, really. And my life consisted of, like, trying to be hot, trying to be funny, trying to be cool, trying to make the boy... All my life was just surrounded by boys who who made the music with me, trying to make them like me, trying to get off with other ones. And, like, just a real, like, so deeply not who I am. And, like, obviously I'm not straight and things like that. And I... I just had to shut it all down. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh God, no wonder I, I mean, it used to be so poorly all the time. And my mental health was absolutely horrendous. And and I'm like, oh, no wonder you were literally like cast on a show that wasn't, you, you've been acting since you left school. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so yeah. exhausting and, and debilitating. And so, yeah, I, 
what I do now, what, what I'm saying now is like, there's women I know that like slow club and there's women now that like self-esteem that have been through the same journey of like, hang on a minute, this isn't me. Hang on a minute. Oh, fuck this. I went through a very big, like, fucking angry feminist phase where, which is quite yeah. exclusionary. Now I'm on like whatever wave I personally am on where I'm like, things are inherent to me and make complete sense to me, but my wiring, because I was born in 86, my wiring is still a little bit like... Like I get aftershocks of my previous misogyny, yeah. and um, but I find them very kind of exciting and intriguing now, and I really probe them. And yeah, now I'm just realizing this. Like, there's Gen Z, and, and there's like armpit hair and and chin hair and whatever, and body positivity. And then there's like, you know, people who I maybe went to school with or whatever, who like married with kids and would think I'm very alarming. And then I'm somewhere in the middle where it's like trying to trying to rid myself of the just the inherent bullshit patriarchal bullshit that just by growing being born in the 80s gives you do you know what i mean and i i don't know drag race really helped something about the gender fucking it just really helped me just be, be take everything less seriously. I felt like I'm bad. I'm not very good at it, or I, or I feel bad for feeling certain things still. And I'm like, no, I'm exploring my own change from being, you know, from Rotherham and born in '86, and thinking, oh, well, if I just get a husband and have a baby, everything will be fine. To what I actually am, which is like, I don't give a shit about any of that. I think it's really interesting because. Uh, the sort of feminist critique that drag race and drag queens often get is that they're taking female beauty stereotypes and upholding them. And there's definitely a kind of lens you could look at drag race and be like, this focus on like tiny waists and hourglass figures and like, you know, perfect femininity is, you know, you're upholding these quite damaging stereotypes and there can be like quite a misogynistic air around drag that some women find very off-putting but for me personally and my kind of journey with my own gender identity I feel like watching this show made me realize more than anything that like gender is a performance that you can choose to do or not do or alter day to day and so like I feel like when I was pre-watching this show, I was very much in a slow club uniform. I was like in a, you know, like nice cute little dress from Topshop, something to cover my arms always and like straightened hair and a fringe. And and like, it, it didn't matter to me. I'm not trying to insult that look at no, all. No, no, no. Uh, it's so funny. It's the, t- it's the naughties look, yeah. right? The indie girl naughties look. And it never occurred to me about whether I was happy about that look or whether it expressed who I was. It was just safe and pretty and, you know, everyone liked it enough. Mm-hmm. And then to having gone through this show and also discovering more about gender identity generally through the avenues this show opened up for me in my head and through literature and music and everything. It made me be like, oh, today I can dress like a hot, dumb Barbie bitch. <laughs> and tomorrow I'm going to wear a fucking suit. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, it, it, it sounds so stupid and small, but it really did. I find it very freeing, this idea of gender as performance. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, I, and I've struggled my whole life because I'm quite masculine, obviously. But then I'm built very, very fucking female. <laughs> like I have massive knockers, massive arse, small ways. I'm blonde. And I, I've always rejected that side of myself 
actively found it very embarrassing. Um, I never really had fun with clothing or anything. And, and yet every night I'd be standing on a stage with lights on me, like used to really, it, it was like a whole part of it that I had to ignore. Um, and the uniform thing, you're so right. It was this very, I don't know about for you, but like, it's just this like post Amelie bullshit world where I, I think I was so <laughs> desperate for someone to want me to be their girlfriend that, and I, and I just assumed these male written, you know, pixie dream bitch, Joey, Zooey Deschanel vibe sort of thing. Like if I, the most, the more I can be like that, the more likely it is someone somewhere will pick me. <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah, with we'll them. see something in me. Well, that's what I like. Yeah, even saying that now, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but that's how I lived my whole 20s. It was never what I might want to pick. <laughs> and, and also, I like, which is just completely mind-blowing to me now. But yeah, performance... Uh, uh, gender as a performance is, like, so fucking refreshing, isn't it? Like, it actually unlocks so much for all of us... Um, and not even getting into chatting about sort of a non-binary identity or anything. Like, just generally as a woman in the world, you're plagued by uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the way you're sexualized every day of your fucking life. But the way I enjoy my sexuality and then the way I'm uh, chastised for enjoying it is like something I'm trying to do in self-esteem very much is like, fuck off like I I get to enjoy myself for me and it's very fun and I don't I need to unpick why it's very fun to like have massive hair and loads of makeup and put the most ridiculous outfit on ever and have photos taken for things in it which is what I do now um I don't know why it's fun it just is so I'm gonna do it it's not for you it's for me to have a great time I just yeah it it but I, I knew I'd come you know I do like loads of like naked stuff and I get people going why do you feel the need to do this and I'm like I actually don't have an answer for you honey <laughs> it's just it's really it's really fun and like I guess I I feel most comfortable when I'm enjoying myself so I don't know I'm, I've, I've lost it here but um no it's beautiful and it's so true and you're right it's like the thing oh because I want to should really be mm-hmm. That's that's it. There really is no definition in using your body like that in your work, and it, it's it, it, the kind of work that you do is just so this new breed of pop star that is so exciting to me. That like it's so it, to me it's like very cerebral and intellectual because your lyrics and your rhymes are so complicated and so well written and everything. But the bangers, the beat is massive and the and like the clothes are amazing. And it's, I don't know, I'm sorry, I could gush all day. I'm not it. gonna because I'm here to talk about <laughs> drag queens. <laughs> but I think as well, this, this show has taught me so much. And one of the things is, has really been pronoun flexibility mm-hmm. as well. Like I remember when I first started telling people about this show and being like, oh, you know, you know, Bob the drag queen and she's this and she's that and she's the other and it never and because the show like brings you into this world where you're looking you're looking at these you know for I would say for 70% of every episode they're not in drag right they're in the workroom or they're in the talking heads but there's not a doubt in your mind that that's she like you know it's like and because you know it's it's weird because I don't when I started watching this show I don't think I was very informed about 
trans identities at all and not past the bare minimum of like knowing who Laverne Cox was you know but like I feel like having it it really taught me about that flexibility and about how outward image and what we think of as male presenting what we think of as female presenting are just it's all just so elastic and it's been extremely freeing for me yeah and like it's very tough isn't it it's very wide there's a lot to learn still always but the fact that there's something that's so accessible that's kind of trojan horses in a, a way to educate people about how fluid gender is and how 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 much it would improve society <laughs> if it was just completely understood and second nature that gender isn't really real <laughs> like they're like yeah, yeah. There's so much could be solved with it um that yeah and it's early fucking days still in it but yeah I, I same here like I I obviously came I came out I guess 2013 2014 and um I didn't really realize myself I mean, I slept with women and, and not thought maybe that's the thing. <laughs> I just sort of, I, I was in a band since 16. I was like, I've done all sorts of shit. Um, but yeah, it just got stronger. And, obviously, and I fell in love with someone. So it was like very, oh, okay, this is this is me now. And, and it did not scare me or plague me. I was not, I, it, I was already so, I was just inhabiting this community via watching this show every day of my goddamn life that I just didn't. It didn't seem ridiculous or scary at all to to to, to realize that about myself, and and of course, of course, it isn't. But um, there was still, you know, it was still a hot chat. It was I was still on Facebook at the time, and uh, I'm only on Facebook with people from school, and, and it was definitely like a guess what moment still. And I was like, really? Are you? Oh wow, it's still news. But yeah, just. This is why I'm I'm very much in my bubble and live my life in my way and very rarely come up against people with like very different opinions to me. <laughs> but when I just sobering when you realise how much how much education needs to happen. We talked at the beginning of the podcast, or you said that you don't really um, believe in guilty pleasures, and like yeah, that can be like a very like a irritating term. I do realize that, but I think there's an interesting thing with Drag Race in particular, in that like it's not a guilty pleasure because it's this global phenomenon, right? And it's like powered this entire drag industry, that and like it's put put drag at the forefront of the culture in this really exciting way. So it's there's nothing like um, kind of guilty about it, but. The thing that I sometimes feel guilty about is not that I watch it. It's more how into it I am. And I'm so <laughs> wary of like, oh, I'm another cis woman who like watches Trixie and Katia <laughs> and like goes to gay You know what I mean? And it's like there's something because like people who watch this show, there's, there's a class of person who watches this show the same way you might watch like Top Chef or Love Island or whatever, who are like, yeah, I watch the reality show and I want to see who wins. And then I switch myself off but like really there's never a day when I'm not thinking about these queens like they're like my Marvel universe I'm like I'm like I follow them all on Instagram I want to know like how their one woman show is going I want to know like how their new skincare line is going it like 
it, the show isn't embarrassing, but the level in, of investment I have in it is. Actually, yeah, I will agree with that. I go on the Reddit, Caroline. Like, I, I yeah, really same. love to chill. Like, of, of an evening, I love to smoke, go on the Reddit, just slowly. But, but for me, I, I am embarrassed by it. And I've, I've even commented before, but I... I I just find it so, like I said before, it's so deeply relaxing to me because it's so far from, uh, it's, uh, it just doesn't stress me out. And I can't watch, I can't watch a good yeah. film without thinking, ugh, I wish I'd done the music for this. I, like my life, I'm adult, I'm like a bit of an arsehole. Like I can't, it takes me ages to listen to new music that I know I'll love because I'll just be jealous. Like I, and I, and it's a real flaw of mine. Um, and because there is so much sort of media, so much you can consume now, like it is, it's kind of a crappy part of me that I can avoid. I don't follow things. I only follow drag queens and I only follow, um, you know, things that don't really mean anything to my actual daily life, which you could say drag doesn't, but I, it's so relaxing to me. I'm so fucking fond of them. Like, I'm people so make me laugh so much. I So I'm... Trixie, I've had sexual dreams about. <laughs> Trixie as, like, a boy or Trixie Both. as in drag? Both. Wow. Yeah. More than okay. once. I, do you want to know who I've had a sex dream about? Who's <laughs> my best over there? Minilla Luzon. <laughs> as boy... There is this, there is this bit in the most in the All Stars that she competed on. Yeah. Where when she's when she's in her boy drag, she wears like a pilot's uniform, and I yeah. find it really <laughs> erotic. It's so, but I love that. And also, look, I only date men that look like women anyway. Like I'm very like I'm very female leading leaning across the board. So I, yeah, to have sex dreams about drag queens is not that crazy but um <laughs> but it, it, it is i i love you saying it's embarrassing how into it you are because i am and i'm coming i'm coming out now and i'm being honest about it i go on that reddit i i love to know oh do you know what i love is when want any of them date each other oh that's my favorite oh, thing in the world not it doesn't so happen good. often but if there's any rumors about that i will google <laughs> about it but then also other flip side, as I go into, so I'm touring in November and, you know, I'm now in a situation where I can be like, oh, for this show, I want to do this look. And and like I said before, the idea that I would plan a look in my old band is ludicrous. Like, that was just like not the done thing. And now there's this whole other facet of what I do. So there's music, obviously, that speaks for itself. There's what I do when I'm performing, but also there's a whole other canvas, which is what we wear. And um plotting looks is just like my new joy and I get so much out of drag race um it, it, to, to sort of reference like it feels like anything is possible like I I've done it before like I in Slow Club actually we played I had a big gig and I had a dress made out of Sheffield Wednesday material so oh like, amazing it, yeah because I want my mother's team Oh, really? <laughs> That's yeah. funny. So, like, I... Ozzy the Owl, who is this great big, you know, man in a suit at, at the thing, has this, this huge um, 
he has a huge kit on, basically. So they've sent me one of Ozzy the Owl's kits so because it was like such a vast amount of the material that we could make a dress with it. I'm like, I loved doing that. And it's all like, that's pretty fucking like camp way to show that I'm from Sheffield, which was what was my intention, I guess. And then, you know, and, and cut to now, I do it every time I possibly can. The Boots Advantage Cards dress, I don't know if you know about that. No, I, I don't a, know. I had a... Um, Drag. Drag. Well, yeah, I didn't kind of put two and two together until about now, really, that I had my, you know, my first very big London show, sellout show. It was a bit like, what are you going to wear? And to me, then, nothing represents wealth more than, or like mental health <laughs> and wealth, <laughs> which is having an, an advantage card that you that you use and you keep going with do you know do you have one because i i've oh my had god so many yeah, and yeah, just I, yeah I, uh, mm-hmm. i'm completely i once useless. made a 60 pound purchase with my boots advantage card oh! and i felt like i owned 51 percent of that yes like, that's that's thriving i can't imagine ever being able to do that because i lose them all so i've i've toyed with this idea for ages about making something to do with the fact that i Clarity and sort of mental stability for me would be to have a boots advantage card for that that I get points because I also spend like so many thousands of pounds in boots all the time as well. So, so it was that Amex dress I was ripping off, which was like the gold dress made out of gold cards. Um, I was like that, but a boots advantage card, and then like that. (laughs) Obviously, you wouldn't get all that from you wouldn't get the backstory or context. But the context is so important to me in everything I do. Um. Yeah, it's, that, that is such a drag. The, when you were just talking about that whole, the key to mental health is having a full boot advantage card, <laughs> I could see you like doing a talking head while you're going down the <laughs> runway on the main stage. Being like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I would be, oh my God, imagine. But yeah, basically that show gives me an outlet to just sort of normalise Doing stuff like that, but it's nobody's fault. But I spent my whole 20s feeling very, very much like I can't have ideas and say them or it's too much hassle to do them or it's stupid. And every day in my life I wake up now and I can have a thought, put it into something, vocalise it. I now have a manager that is so like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Rather than like, that'll be difficult and this is why. And it's just yeah. the, you know... I used to wake up every day feeling like, ugh, here we go again. Whereas I wake up now like, ooh, what's today going to be like? And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, do you know what I mean? And not to completely, you know, all the therapy has probably helped with that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Drag Race and just the... Something else about it as well is, for me, I've been a musician my whole life and it's always felt like this mad struggle. Obviously, you don't make much money and the sacrifices that you have to make in order to, to do this for a living are kind of, you know, I have no, all my relationships fail, I'm always leaving, I never get to live anywhere for long, um, no pension, <laughs> no no stability, loads of sleeping in shit, hotels, floors, but, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what it's, like, worth it for is to be able to make my art and have someone listen and like that that pays all of that off kind of thing um but the way that the drag queens i don't know if you know alaska does like we'll just decide to do like one show that's just blackout britney spears album 
Yes, and she's uh, doing a Lady Gaga Joanne work yeah. moment, isn't she? Yeah. So, so that as an idea to me, as a concept to go like, right, I'm going to put the show on and this is what it's going to be. And just committing to that, committing to that bit and doing it. There's something about the way drag queens can just decide to do something and they do it. And there'll be an audience because of, because of who they are. Uh, 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 and they pull it together and they make it work. Whereas in my world, it's always such a sort of slog. You do, you have to decide what it is. It's this whole tour. You do the same every night. You can't deviate. Everyone has to, you know, rehearsal, rehearsal. You can't afford to just try things. Or certainly I mm. don't. Uh, but And so there's something soothing to me about the way drag outside of the show works and that it's a lot less... It can be so sort of raw and and improvised and just going for it off off the bat. Um, something about that that really makes me excited about my future and, and what I might do because... Yeah, I'm still just doing gigs that are very rehearsed. <laughs> but, like, I love the idea. I want to do, like, a cabaret show or, like, a show songs tour or something. Oh, and it's, like, all, all of, all, you know, watching what, what the queens do makes me think, yeah, why not? Why can't I do that? There's something so structured about, like, indie music or whatever you want to call it that the show helps me think about smashing down. I fucking love that. Like for today, you you picked season six as being your area of focus. I want, I want to know why you picked season six and who your like main queens are from that yeah. season. Well, it was the first one I watched, so I think it's that. I think it was really like gobsmacking to me. I remember even the way the language. I think there was they, there was still the um, interior illusions lounge at that point. I thought I <laughs> yeah. just think that was so fucking funny, um, and the. The I mean now it's it you kind of gloss over it because it's so in, it's so ingrained. But, but when I first watched it, they this the way that RuPaul would play with like the seriousness of the drama was doing like straight faced, but it's <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Something about that just fucking tickled me. So yeah, and and adore Delano. I was like very very attracted to and very in love with. And still am, um, and so and and then I love. I mean, the whole. I'm just such a sucker for a baddie come goody kind of. So that I just don't yeah. think the show's ever been better than when Bianca Del Rio helps um, uh, with her. Yes, helps adore Delano with her hog body. Yeah, I mean, and even. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Calling yourself a hog body is like so fucking funny and so relatable and... I've just never seen it. It was something, how sort of comfortable in themselves everyone is, just rocked my fucking world. But yeah, but, uh, and then obviously Bank being just very, very like, you know, could be our, any stand-up show funny. Yeah, I think that yeah. really helped. I think it sort of suffered that people, I don't think people, there's not been many queens that are that like piss funny since but um there are but like do you there, know what I mean? there are just when i was looking when i was re-watching it the last couple of days which has been such a joy mm-hmm. the cast is just incredible yeah. like bianca del rio adore delano and courtney act as the top three but then i was oh like my oh my god there's so many like characters even like jocelyn fox i think makes me piss myself yeah so womp, she's womp. yeah she is my favorite queen when people say who's your favorite queen i i say trixie and jocelyn fox there's something so unbelievably adorable about her and also just the way she kind of shows up <laughs> and just is involved just so unfazed even though like she's kind of not there's something about her that isn't like i am fierce and i'm gonna win she's she's kind of got this awareness that she's maybe not the best one in there, but she, she's oh, just she's so, so sweet. present and just having a good time. There's something about her I just can't get enough of. I love yeah, her. It's so, she, it's so funny because she's painted in the show as being this like, fairly junior queen from yeah. uh, Worcester in Massachusetts, which obviously isn't known for its drag community. Yeah. And this kind of, the, the sort of the structuring of the season. And I, as a novelist... I love looking at reality show that's so well-structured and well-edited and pinned together that it almost flows like a novel because there are these, like, character archetypes that are being yeah. fulfilled. And every, like, every one... When you're thinking about the top six of this season, or top seven, everyone has, like, um, a yin and a yang. So you have Courtney Act and Jocelyn Fox. Like, they're mm-hmm. kind of... They do a similar kind of fishy, sexy thing, but, like... Courtney is really hot. It's like she's quite hard to get to know because she's so perfect. And then Jocelyn on the other side is so instantly lovable, and you're just so into her. But they've got this kind of like big sister, little sister kind of thing, and it's so great. And then you have like the first half of the season, Bianca Del Rio and um, uh, Trinity K. Bonet. Like, and that there's this like iconic, untucked kind of quote that's like name let me ask you a very fair question what's one thing you do successfully <laughs> <laughs> sort of slightly bullying but also very nurturing relationship yeah. and like everybody has that sort of point and counterpoint but what i love about jocelyn fox is like even though she's being painted as someone who's kind of naive and she is a little bit ditzy her lines are always straight on point she's so funny like the thing that always my favorite episode of that whole season is when they have to interview um Cher's mom and and Chaz Bono <laughs> Cher's son and Jocelyn Fox is like the line is something like if it weren't for a last minute decision at the abortion clinic we never would have got Cher <laughs> so horrendous fucking amazing though oh my god but like so not fake. you've come out twice it. since coming out of Cher <laughs> 
And like, not upset that that was obviously like pretty hardcore. Like, just like, oh, what? I don't know. <laughs> I just love her sort of ig- blissful ignorance. It's just delightful. Oh, I love it so much. And she's just wearing like six necklaces and lingerie yeah. on the main stage. And she's like, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> do you listen to Race Chaser? I do, religiously. Yeah, yeah me too. I like, I'm obsessed. And uh, they did the necklace dinger every time she wears it. <laughs> They've been tallying up. So good. So good. You could do that with me with my, um, there's this like black jacket that oh, self esteem's doing something I've got that on because if I like I'll try something else and then I'm like I don't like what I look like and then it's like hoik that thing back on me <laughs> all faithful I can imagine the, the smell coming off that jacket at this point oh, yeah. so many performances yeah we actually were just whatsapping in the group with the girls I was like everyone needs to take their suits home after tomorrow and give it a wash because <laughs> we can't be this like absolute fire sexy band and waft absolutely stench off the stage <laughs> although yeah we can it's very self-esteem it's very adore delano refusing to wash her tights yeah <laughs> imagine I, uh, what that workroom smells like oh my god oh and laganja oh my god laganja oh. is such a trajectory isn't it yeah. like t- so for the for the listeners who might not know tell us about laganja estranja on the show like extremely like frustrating and annoying and um it's, it's one of those things I noticed a lot in reality shows there where they obviously in the edit they're trying to make a kind of like they're forcing that through and you, and you do, you only see this very like extroverted loud side of her that can be grating or whatever and then and then like now she's so fucking respected and like all the language she uses that in in season six could have been called annoying is actually what's been like completely appropriated over and over and over again and com- like embedded in lexicon of just everyone now and you're like she did that <laughs> and now it's like their main you know the show uses shit she says as their taglines for stuff and like she's an absolute icon hero now um I can't remember when I watched it whether I found it frustrating I don't think I did I thought it was just like fascinating um and uh yeah, it's just... Do, do, do you know what I mean? They, they kind of how they... The villains get... Ultimately end up being very celebrated because they're the part... The best bit. It's so true. And that's such a part of what drag culture is about as well. Like, like this, there's always this thing with drag. Like, the most villainous sort of creature in a film, like, whether it's, you know, Mommy Dearest or Norma Desmond or, like, all these, like, outsized like big female personalities that are sort of villainous they always get celebrated by drag and so the great thing about drag race is that even when somebody is like has that sort of performance on the show or that kind of edit they also become celebrated in their own way like there's really no very few bad outcomes you know and it's also yeah. this thing of like i i find the the bulk of reality tv like quite sad just because, like, there's always this thing with, like, for example, The X Factor, where it's, like, you know, most of them don't have great careers, and a lot of them have quite awful and embarrassing careers, you know, where they're sort of, like, singing covers at sort of, you know, local, very tiny local theatres that don't sell out or whatever, but because 
everyone who competes on this show is an artist. Like, they're not a singer or an actor. They are an artist who constructs entire shows and entire brands around themselves. You don't really have to worry about anyone that much. Mm, mm -hmm. You kind of do worry because the social media aspect of it can make life quite miserable for them. Yeah. But, like, you're like, oh, and that's why, for me, it always feels like the queer Marvel universe. Because you can follow each one. (laughs) You can have your favorites. Everybody has a trajectory you can follow forever, you know? Yeah. That's so true. Uh, that's what make yeah. I mean, t- aside from the like terrible social media stuff, the like it can do nothing but sort of uh, help what they would be doing anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they would be doing their shows anyway. They would be performing. Like there's so much drag that isn't on Drag Race that's successful. And then yeah, it's it's almost like just a like showcase. I'm always kind of shocked when like the all-stars at the minute like it's very like i waited all this time to get back on this show and 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 i'm and yeah i think it's still for for some of them so such a kind of obsession to win it um whereas if i was on it i would just be like oh cool this is just a way to like uh showcase myself and then i'll carry on with doing what i'm doing with hopefully like some more people coming because as soon as you're on the telly at all things like even when I've done tiny telly things like you suddenly like you know influx of people coming yeah. to, to look at what you're doing and so yeah I think like that but I guess when you're in it it must just be so all-consuming to to want to win yeah it. that that is another one of the lovely things about the show is that winning is not really the point like Within the within the confines of like oh we have to care about this reality show it's always like well mama you know I'm here to snatch the crown <laughs> all this kind of stuff but we all kind of know it's a bit of a wink and that the point really is exposure and getting your name out there and being able to tour afterwards and, and like so many of the queens do say that the real drag race begins after the show yeah um yeah. but like I'm just I'm just looking at this cast list again and like. The amount of like iconic performers who didn't even last that long on this season, but who I still know about today, like yeah. Milk, for God's sake. Oh, wow. So hot. If you're looking for a dude or in a preggers mood. <laughs> oh, I'll never unhear that horrible word use. <laughs> it's not even a word. If you're looking for a dude <laughs> or in a preggers mood. It's so gross. Oh, my God. I loved Milk, though. I think that, like... Oh my god. No, no, she better don't, I think is my favourite episode. I think I must have watched that one the most ever. Oh. It definitely has so many like lines from that episode that still run in my head. Like, my date, my name's Adele, I don't have to force it. You're my brand new corset. <laughs> She's so hot in that as well. And I always think, they always say that Trinity is not on beat, but she is. And this is what if I ever got to speak to anybody, if I ever met Michelle Visage, I'd be like, I just want you to know that you that she is on beat. <laughs> Maybe I should post on Reddit. Maybe I will. Depends. Can on you how do long. Trinity's rap? <laughs> no, I can't. Let's take a second to see how it goes, <laughs> rhinestones. <laughs> It's that bit. That bit is always lodged in my head. Let's take a second to see how it goes. The way she kind of stumbles on it. But I think it works. It's a really chill delivery. That's the kind of rap I like when it's not like da 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 da. Look at me dying on this hill. But yeah, I often think about that. It's not fair. But that's the other. That's the downside of the show, and you see it more and more now. Is the like 
producer's involvement in like who they want to go and what they want to happen next because it has kind of ruined the fun and I will still watch every single bit of it and every oh, yeah, and I will never ever tire of it but I think that season six is like when it when it had like some more budget it had some very very talented people on it and the format was not yet quite so heavy-handed so it's just glorious my best friend won't watch it and she's you know we both telly addicts so i'm like there's so uh, like nothing we love more than to like waste a day by going i'm just gonna get through this today i'm just gonna watch telly all day <laughs> like but yeah it has to be worth it like if you're watching telly that isn't good enough to waste a day on it can get quite depressing but if it's good enough it feels fine <laughs> so i'm like you have hours upon hours of television that will feel like um you won't have to feel guilty about um she just won't watch it but i'm like just season six just put it on big opening it's the it's RuPaul's such a big perfect opening. season yeah rupaul's <laughs> big opening because it's all it's this perfect thing of like they know what the show is now they know the format they know the stakes everybody there is like knows what they're fighting for but the show isn't so big that people are afraid of coming off bitchy or afraid yeah. of being assassinated on social media so people are so cunty to each other like <sighs> Bianca adore Darian and um Courtney are just so <laughs> cunty it's so good it's so funny I met Courtney at, at um the GAY awards and I did not keep my cool <laughs> and I oh was just God. I was like I mean I was very uh, drunk by this point but I was like thank you so much for what you do and I got this selfie where she obviously looks unbelievable and I'm <laughs> not at my best shall we say <laughs> um, but even like the um, like it's incredible the amount of work that goes into looking like that as well like it's so that's commendable enough and then they have to do all this this crazy stuff at the moment trying to do my live show I'm I'm like you know it's, it's really like not a problem at all but it's quite like trying to do the choreo not look like dog rough sweaty mess doing it trying to figure out what we're wearing for each one, making sure everyone's, even like making sure the suits aren't stinking, trying to get like all these things. And, and then on top of that, I'm like playing instruments and things like that. And it's like, there's a lot to sort out and I can't just rock up and play a gig anymore. Like I used to with, you know, just pull up with my guitar, plug it in and go. I didn't even have to worry about anything else really. How hard the show is to put on now you know, I absolutely love and I absolutely made it that this is my life and it's all my fault. <laughs> but it's like a lot, you know. And I, when I could be phoning it in, you know, a lot of other people in bands phone it in <laughs> compared to like what we're trying to do. And I'm like, just the mad respect for like what drag is and how much, like, how expensive it is, how much effort it takes, the time it takes, how exhausting it is, how painful it is. To, to deliver what it is at all. Like, there's something I, I'm not very eloquent on, but, like, it makes it worth it. Like, the, the the act of how difficult it is to do makes it worth it. And I'm really, like, yeah. a bit of a pervert for that feeling now. I'm like, I want this to be tough <laughs> and difficult and overwhelming. So at the end of the night, you know, I'm full, I, I actually... When I was still in Slow Club, I was very sure I needed to go and do this. Um, 
I used to listen to What's the Tea podcast. I don't know if you. Oh, I remember it. Yeah. yeah, it was the, it was the most inconsistent podcast yeah. ever. Like sometimes yeah. it was just them talking about health food, and sometimes it was like world changing. <laughs> yeah, it was so true. So, but I would listen to every single one, and there's about the Bianca Del Rio one. Change, like is a really sort of defining moment. I was in my kitchen, and I was like, just doing something really mundane. I'm feeling really ill, and. Bianca was talking about how Joan Rivers had said to her, like, if you get to the end of the day and you can just fall, like, dead asleep because of how hard you've worked all day, like, that's a good day. That's her, oh. That was Joan Rivers' goal in life, was to never go to bed not completely, like, bone-tired. And my life at the time was very, like, I was just waiting all the time because I had no other outlet, so I had to just wait to do slow club commitments and anything else I just didn't there was no point in doing it because I couldn't do it so I, I I was almost like fucking bored shitless most of the time and never dead never bone tired always just like Ugh. you know and, and from there came loads of bad habits and loads of sort of misbehaving and doing something to just try and fill my day and like it just really made sense to me that like the people I look up to the people I like the stuff I like to consume, people are working fucking hard. And that's actually what makes me very happy. But I, yeah, so it was a real, um, once it could, once yeah. I was self-esteem and it was up to me, I was the boss and I had, I created the work. I mean, I've never stopped, you know, and, and I'm so much happier for it. I, I, I think that's what I find so amazing about, about your music in particular is that whenever I look at a performance of yours, it's always just like, this is so much more complicated than it needs to be you you're bringing more than like do you know what I mean you you ha- you have the songs you have the lyrics there are plenty of artists who would kind of just stand there and deliver the song or whatever there are i can think of like a dozen just the top of my head that i'm not going to name because we're not that kind of podcast <laughs> but um but who could just stand there and like the fact that everything is so ornate and so thought out and so draggy like it really is and it's it's the same thing with these with these queens where it's like they're doing something that's uncomfortable and difficult and it has so many moving parts and so many people that you need to get involved and the reason they're doing it is not so much vanity is just commitment to showmanship and i find that so moving like i'm someone who doesn't i don't cry in my real life i don't cry when people i know like die or anything <laughs> but w- the things that make me cry is that when something is just really well done and mm. someone's like acting to the best of their abilities mm-hmm. and it just i find that so moving yeah because of why why else be alive like it really bugged me that i would tour and tour and tour and there was stage and lights and pa but i it wasn't being used to its full and then yeah. when I think of, think of myself as like a little girl, like even like the edge of a rug would be like the proscenium of a stage in my mind, and I would dance to that. You know, like it was all I all I wanted to do when I was little. Fun for me was shows, putting shows on, making dancing dances or making songs up, and then I'd find and I was living this life where I'd oh I'm a musician full time, I make my living out of it, but. Uh, but not able to indulge myself in any of those childhood dreams. Not, not you know, none none of the benefits for me were, were I were sort of taken advantage of. And now I get to, and you know what? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I was younger when I did it or whatever. But that's my other thing now. And the other thing drag helps me with is like, it's not just for people under twenty five. And um, yeah, it's kind of vital that it isn't as well. And 
yeah, I, I, I just get so much validation and like strength from how that exists and how it's revered. And I and, like, it's fucking cool as well. Like, there's nothing cooler. Cool. Po- drag queens are more punk than any of the like bullshit punk men I know. <laughs> Sorry, you <laughs> going? <laughs> love to know the punk men you know oh yeah honestly so many and they're so not like actually committed to it like a drag queen does <laughs> go on sorry it, it's so nice to just talk about like the the raw love of this show because I, I i certainly feel like and and i've got a few friends who do drag and that kind of thing and um that there has been a sort of backlash to it in recent years of people who are like um you know oh you know it's like dominated the conversation around drag and this thing that was niche has now become universal and family friendly and like I remember there is a, a person I know who I'm not friends with um, <laughs> who, who sort of like we were all out together and they overheard me and my friend who who does drag it was it was that season um, with Mercedes and Man Diamond and we were doing that Upland thing <laughs> and we were just like getting our life and having the crack yeah, yeah. and they just sort of leaned over and they were like oh, can we not do the drag race thing I get enough oh. of this in the club and it was so haughty and we were just a bit like oh fuck off you know come oh, on old gosh. lady yeah because like yeah there there are lots of people who are going to watch this show and then not be interested in drag but a lot of people also will find this art form like you you have and i have and other people have like and just yeah. be like oh this speaks to me in such a deep way and i feel like i've really found a community here you know yeah i think like i can understand the the argument uh, you know against it um and it's so multifactorial and there's so much going on but for me with any of this kind of stuff i'm like the battle is so far from being won and there's just every little helps i think so if like yeah it's not the most amazing representation of every facet of queer gender expression but it is something so and one where there was once nothing so i don't know i, I, for, for, I, I but i'm you know i'm also not a drug queen so I, I don't know how damaging it is but for, as a queer person who's felt underrepresented any any kind of even like, you know, like if there's any slightly lesbian movie even if it's shit i'm like thank you thank you for this uh, you know like I just carry Mulligan in a bonnet picking up rocks with Kate um, Winslet or whatever <laughs> I'm like wow wow so brave no but it's like yeah I mean that's that's just my point about any of it same with like fucking feminist filmmaking like I hated Promising Young Woman but I was like but at least it's existing and like we'll get there in the end I hate it too yeah. but for different reasons oh <laughs> why mainly because my first novel was called Promising Young Women Oh, fuck. And uh, I met with that production company. <gasps> and then they went and released that movie. And I was like, that's oh my a weird God. <laughs> now it... I can never adapt my own book. But also yeah. lots of people have bought my book because of the oh, cool. movie. So, <laughs> and they know, get a better story than ever. Yeah. <laughs> it swings in roundabouts. <laughs> yeah, I But I won't watch it because it just makes me really pissed off. Well, babe, you're not missing anything. It's just very Tarantino-ized version of woman... On revenge, which I, which I'm just so. <laughs> but the, I, I don't want to sound like an old, uh, fuddy duddy, but like, and I am grateful that like, 
a rape revenge movie is made it to the big screen or whatever but it's still dressed up in this like you know men, men's idea of what a strong woman is which is like pink wig and candy cane yeah. and, and guns and 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 it's yeah. cartoony and I, and I know that was what they were going for and it is written by a woman and, and like there's bits of it that were great but yeah I just I don't know I'm pivoting here but I just put like also I you know I'm developing a couple of shows um musicals and things and theater shows and I've gone through a few uh, iterations of it where it's very much people want me to be sat on an amp Mascara running down my face, smoking a cig, heartbroken again by the world that just doesn't make sense. Oh and and it's still just this girl in a band is fetishized still. Like I can't be that unless it's gonna be, you know, strung out on drugs and alcohol, um sex yeah. addicts. People want that winehouse fantasy for you. Yeah, yeah, they do. And I'm like, yeah, I live like that. <laughs> but also <laughs> not quite, but like I yeah, it's more than that. I feel, feel like we're just still at the start of female-centred storytelling or queer-centred storytelling or, you know... So I'll take what I can get is my answer to yeah. the backlash about Jack Ray. just like... Yeah, there are limitations of, like, what a reality show can do. But, like, even I, I was watching the most recent All-Stars the other day and, like, there was this whole kind of thing about how... One of the queens, Akira C. Davenport, how she, detra- she you know, mm. lived as a trans woman and then she detransitioned and mm. she still had her lower body sort of had some surgeries done and how it was living, that, how it was like living that way. And I just was like, even when I was watching this show in 2014 for the first time, like having this, this kind of story on television was unthinkable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. like, I was looking up because I did start watching this show in like, I think 2013, 2014 and like... That was the year Transparent came out, and that was the year Laverne Cox was was the first trans person to ever be nominated for yeah. an Emmy. And like that, it was kind of a year that was the beginning of like trans culture becoming part of the main culture. And yeah. like you really like, even though Drag Race is a kind of a checkered history with that stuff, it is improving. And like yeah. those those stories are are coming more and more. I'm just so grateful to have them. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's how change happens. Like it feels difficult and very very present and people don't like it and then it's normalized and that's how you get you know that equality so the more the better in whatever sort of capacity it yeah. comes in for now <laughs> we're giving very pageant queen answers are they <laughs> no yeah i am i'm a pageant queen <laughs> i'm a very weird pageant <laughs> we are the comedy queens <laughs> The worst noise ever. Oh my God, I love it. Oh my God. Love Gia Gunn so much. All right, so I better let you go. Um, but before you do, I want us to talk about your favorite outfits. I've got a few here. Okay. Oh shit. Okay, you go first. Okay, so Trinity K. Bonet's hippie look. I'm obsessed with Oh, yeah. Oh my God, so good. Pink when she and orange crop yeah. top and flares. And circle glass. When she wears a, a like centre part long Naomi Campbell hair, hat, I love it when they call hat, wigs hats. Um, it's just divine, <laughs> divine, divine. Div- she and her doing that lip sync with kind of a, kind of a crossing and uncrossing her legs, like sitting on the stage oh. and just like it's like she just moves like water in that. Yeah. It's just so good. 
The other one I have written down is April Carrion's umbrella look. <laughs> yeah, which I beautiful. think you should do. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I should. Maybe I could. Oh God, yeah. No, that's helpful. I'm trying to think out what my Sheffield, uh, my big London look's going to be this time. So that that's a good. Directive. I just have a real vision for you performing. I do this all the time, but like peeking out from behind the oh, umbrella, yeah, you know, that would be just... beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yes, we may. Well, let's do a conference call about this in the future. <laughs> yeah, you got to get me on the credit team. I know. Um, and then the other two I have written down is Bendela Creme's cheesecake look, which, like, Bendela yes. Creme made that with hot glue in a design challenge. Oh yeah, and it's, I... just, it's incredible. That always baffles me. That one. I can't believe it. Baffling. It's like, it's yeah. too much, too yeah. much to cope with. And my final favorite is uh, Adored Lano's diamond tutu look. Yeah, the, I was going to say that the chain one. Between her wrists. Yes. And that wig, that like structured sort of wig. Um, she's so beautiful. Um, I love Adored Lano's confessional look, <laughs> which yes, is just the, the little cute hat. little cap. Adored so Lalo in the confessionals in generally, general just yeah. makes me die. Like I was really Selena. What's funny about Selena? I like pizza. <laughs> and I got shot by Yolanda. <laughs> so good. I love her so much. I love. Um, I was a really. I really fancy Miley, and that was the start of my like Miley crush. And uh, Adore looks and feels like Miley to me as well. So it was all a bit mm. of a. Um, Oh man, I'm trying to think. My memory, I've done, I've, I've drank too much booze in my life to remember. I'm Googling it now. From season six or ever. I don't mind. Actually, I love that the, um, Courtney Act's big wings thing. Oh yeah. I love the wings, but I really love, I, I've worn something before, which is like a really structured, like, body it's like a plastic yeah it's like plastic yeah. body is just put on your body and it's like you're stuck into it i love love shit like that um and i just can't stop i just want to give a shout out to taste in general who i am like so i just can't stop thinking about and that um i just don't think i've ever seen anything more beautiful than that red uh, memory lip sync look. That's the only thing oh. i can think about when you said favorite looks so like uh, wasn't even like the most amazing look but i've just it's like jaw dropping. I just screenshotted and screenshotted and like my friend who doesn't watch it, I was like, just look at how beautiful it is. <laughs> it's like in months. It's, it's in so mon- frustrating when you have that friend who won't watch it. Like, yeah. like Dolly who's been on the podcast a lot. Like she just refuses to engage with me on this. And it's like this one thing yeah. that we just will not. She, will, I, she, I find it so bratty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they won't watch it. Yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah, grow up. Watch this. <laughs> watch grow this up. about men dressing up as a woman, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. And also, my other favorite moment is um, Odor Delano's vocals on the musical. There's something so beautiful about them, even though what she's singing is just total mad shit. It's like, oh, the greatest oh. So good. It's beautiful. She emotes about this fucking bullshit and daft fish oil storyline. It's like, oh my god, the fish oil. (laughs) 
so stupid. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, there's just so many things in my head from that season that will just sit there. Like um, the stand-up comedy challenge when Courtney's like, they're the mean gays. <laughs> and she's weird. doing like a cappella as a stand-up comedy challenge. And it's so weird. It just doesn't work. Oh, God. Oh, my God. We should do a Drag Race recap show or just no one I would love that. <laughs> well, we could do it for the next UK one. I'll text what you. What the world needs. Two cis women oh, talking yeah. about drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> just for us. It's just, just for us. Or we should just, just hang out. Oh, yeah. I would love that. I really would. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go. You've given me so much of your time. Oh, but um, It's been really fun. What, it's been really, really great. So you perform as self-esteem. Um, mm-hmm. What what are we looking out for? When's when's the fucking album, Rihanna? Uh, I know, right? <laughs> it was meant to be August, and now it's October, so it does have uh, yeah, it's a bit of a wait yet. But um, yeah, October. But there's a new single in about a month's time. A new video that I'm just planning now. There's yes. there's lots happening. I'm I'm, I'm crumb I'm breadcrumbing you until October. So there'll, there'll be enough. But yeah, uh, my social media is where to find out everything. It's just self-esteem, self-esteem. And uh, I'm on tour in November. I'm everywhere. Yes, I'm actually are. the primary COVID dropout girl at the moment. So if you're if you're going to a festival, it's likely I'll be <laughs> I at it. I was thinking minute. this. I was looking at tickets for End of the Road and I was like, I wonder if she'll just be there. Honey, not yet, but uh, maybe. All being well. <laughs> if I've not got COVID, I'm there apparently at the moment, but that's fine. <laughs> I love that for you. I love, yeah, booked and blessed. Yep. Always booked and blessed. <laughs> As you can probably tell, I'm a huge fan of Self Esteem, aka Rebecca Lucy Taylor. And she was kind enough to let us use How Can I Help You, her brand new single, as the outro for today's episode. It's a fantastic song. It's so much fun. It just makes me want like stomp down the street wearing a blazer, you know, putting a cigarette out with your heel. But, you know, if you have the time, do go and look at the video as well, because she directed the video. It's just, it's very, it's a very powerful piece of cinema. So please follow Self-Esteem, listen to all her music. She's the best. Do it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.